So yesterday I put down my first notes for my sharing this week and was planning to base the sharing on a dream I had recently on non-efforting. Even though it turns out I'm not going to share from those notes, I will say that it was a beautiful, helpful dream that has really stayed with me and flavored the tenor of my relationship with my day ever since I had that dream last week. The basic message of the dream was there is a soft way of dropping into the present moment that opens us to a beauty that is always here. Such a helpful dream anytime. I'm really grateful for its timing right now. Lots of reasons. But one key reason is just the continuing story of, of my cats. And in particular, the fact that Anna, our sweet, beloved little old lady cat that you've been hearing about on and off for the last, I don't know how many weeks, she died this morning. Didn't see it coming last night, but um, she did. And so that really changed my direction for today. Back up just a bit and give you a little bit of a cat update leading up to to, uh, whenever it was that she actually died during the night. Our other um, cat, Sage, newly blind, recently started peeing outside of the litter box and started doing that about the same time that our very old, clearly hospice cat, Anna, was having diarrhea, lots of diarrhea. So with many times a day of cleaning, lots of pee and poop, it would have been so easy to get snagged into some story of, oh my, gosh, this is just too much, or some sort of self-pitying, why me, um, with all all of the pee and poop going on around the house. But I had this dream about a week ago, and it kept resetting me again and again, reminding me to pause and open to this beauty right here, right now, in the middle of whatever it is that's unfolding. I'm really grateful that I had that visceral reset again and again and again, that slowing down and being very present with my time with both of them, and particularly sweet, sweet, sweet Anna, who I wasn't expecting to die during the night. I'm also grateful that that reset gave me the wherewithal yesterday when Anna was still having this diarrhea to actually call up my youngest daughter, who um, she and Anna have a particular beloved relationship with each other and said to to my daughter, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this much diarrhea. She's eating well, 
she's drinking, she's still getting around doing everything, but it's pretty intense. And I just want you to be aware that this much diarrhea, don't know what's going to happen with it. So I'm glad that I gave Maria that heads up yesterday. I'm really grateful that last night before I went to bed, pulled Anna onto my lap and she just sat so sweetly, so peacefully for a long, long time on my lap. I misread that. I thought I had this very clear thought. Oh, I'm so glad you're going to probably sleep well tonight. Wish I had been able to see what was coming, but I didn't. I put her down in her in her bed, and then my daughter, my other daughter, who works nights, came home at five in the morning and woke me up and said, Mom, do you know that Anna has died? There's a really tender feeling that arises when we lose someone that we love deeply. It's not just the loss. It's how the loss makes it so clear that we live in mystery and it's all impermanent and it's all changing. It's such a profound lesson in make sure you live the beauty of today. Make sure you live the love that is here today. So my my daughter at home, she and I went and sat. It was so early in the morning, couldn't call my other daughter yet. So we just sat with with this sweet little cat, um, her body that she left here and and shared around life around dying lots and lots of stories uh around being really tenderly aware of this mystery of living and dying that we exist in and most often take for granted once my Youngest woke up uh, in college. I was able to get her on FaceTime. I'm really grateful for the way, even with FaceTime, that we actually had this technology that allowed her to be present at home, even from six hours away in West Virginia. But there was a way she was really present. I could set up the phone. She sat with Anna for as long as she needed. And then she told me when she was ready for me to do the next step. I wrapped Anna in one of my my flannel uh, shirts and and with FaceTime carried Anna outside to the crepe myrtle where some of our other beloved pets are. And again, just let Maria be present one step at a time. Okay, mom, now you can start digging the hole. Okay, mom. Now you can put her in. Okay, mom, you need more flowers. It was this very, very beautiful ceremony of 
appreciation, gratitude for this lovely life and awe and wonder of this mystery that we live in. I was actually still planning on sharing about the dream tonight, but later today I opened an email about mindful music and found this lovely piece of writing and music that spoke deeply to my condition of today. Not so much about Anna's passing, but really about that state of being that we can drop into below all of our stories that allows us to be present to mystery, to beauty of life and death. And again, it's really about this soft, different approach. So I had planned to share the music tonight, but I have to say I spent so much time with the technology of just trying to get on Zoom tonight that that I wasn't able to um, pull it up. So I really invite you to look it up. It's from a musician writer named Lissity Collins, and I will put in the chat her information um, for this piece of music. And I just want to say just a little bit about the piece of music, and then I invite you to pull it up and make a meditation, a 22-minute meditation of listening. It's really only about 10 bars of music, her, I'm guessing, somewhere, short, short little piece that she plays on her acoustic guitar. And she replays these 10 or so bars over and over and over for about 22 minutes with this idea that there is this resonating sound that we can attune to in a way that's meaningful for centering, for grounding ourselves. She also is a beautiful writer. And even though it's not really about a cat dying or a beloved animal loss, it's somehow what she writes on her website about this piece of music still speaks so strongly to to the tenor of my day that I think for the rest of my sharing, I'm just going to share some of what she wrote about where this piece of music comes from. She calls this Don't Push the River. So apparently she had had some sort of freak accident that required surgery on her hand, her guitar playing hand, And then she tried to push her recovery fast in order to get back to playing her music, her deepest passion, and that desire to get back to her passion and pushing the recovery. Not surprisingly, she re-injured her hand. So this is what she says. I was back talking to surgeons, doctors, physical therapists, all of whom had no answers. This heartbreaking full stop for my greatest passion woke me up to something larger. My playing habits were reflections of my ways of living, of doing, of thinking about the world. And these ways had stopped serving me. In fact, they were actually causing me harm. So she called up 
her therapist and was trying to explain what she was finding to the therapist. And the therapist said, you sound like you are crossing the river, but you're not on either bank. So this is what she then said. This metaphor gripped me. Yes, I had been in transition for a really long time crossing the river. I had departed from one bank, a successful yet destructive visual art career, and spent the last three years pushing towards the other bank, my lifelong passion as a musician. I knew this dream, I knew this dream is the life where I belong, but my approach was tainted by desperation and fears. Then she had to ask herself, you know, was she doing this just to validate her choice to leave the other, the other work? Or was she really doing it um, out of her heart? The therapist said that people who make it to the other side do so by digging in, persevering, resisting the current, and forging across the river to the other side. She described the current as popular opinion or what everyone else wants you to do. That's not how this river current felt to me. In fact, for the first time in a long time, I heard no other voices except my own. And it was telling me something quite different. My immediate instinct was to stop forging across, to let go into the flow of the river to let the river carry me. Every part of me wanted to do that. I bristled when the therapist told me to dig in and cross the current. Felt wrong, but also really familiar. Right then I realized that for the last few years, I had been convincing myself that was exactly what I was doing fiercely working against the current of common thought and action, bravely defying all convention to follow my dream, to reach the other bank, the future life I had imagined for myself. This approach had not led me to happiness, to the happiness I craved. This was a story I was telling myself to make all my hard work and effort feel justified. Even if I ended up drowning due to overstruggle and tiring myself out, at least I could say I tried so hard. People at my funeral party would say, she worked so hard. They were already saying that about me anyway. But that day as I stood in the river, so fully taken with this visualization, I had, I felt a completely different instinct. So in light of this realization, she looked deeper into her visualization of being in the current, in the middle of the river. What she realized was that if she took a step back onto her departure bank and looked across the river, which was her chosen destination, 
On the other side of the river, there was a sandy bank. It were some pretty trees, some pretty plants. It looked nice. There was no reason it shouldn't feel exact, inviting, except it was exactly parallel to where she already was. It was the same place along the course of the river, just on the other side. Getting to that place suddenly struck me as making no progress at all. I realized I had to let go. I wanted to trust the current. It was flowing entirely from me. I wanted to see where it would take me. So the next day she went to a uh, nature preserve and standing beside a creek, a fast flowing creek, she found a piece of wood to toss in the roof in the water wanting to see how it allowed itself to flow with the quick current of the water. So she tossed, tossed this piece of wood in, um, like hungry to see it moving down the river, only to find that it floated in place and seemed not to go anywhere. So she says, for a moment, I feared my metaphor was lost and that small piece of wood I had chosen to represent me would stay exactly where it was, only reinscribing the stagnation I was so desperate to break at that point in my life. The ripples of water moved under it, but it seemed to ignore them, floating up and down with each river, each ripple, and not being carried anyway, anywhere by them. Then... I noticed it was moving gently. Each ripple carried it just a fraction of the way. It floated relaxed without any urgency and it moved. Now it seemed as if in a flash, it was two feet from where it had begun, all along, just seeming to float effortless. So from that point, then she started having all these fears of, oh, it's going to get stuck on a rock. Oh, it's going to get stuck in an eddy. Oh, it's going to go here or there and not, not go clear down the river like she wanted it. And then she finally realized that none of that was, was important, that the, rock, that the piece of wood and the water would take care of themselves the current had its own path and the wood, and it was caring for the piece of wood as only it could, taking it where it was bound to go. From that morning of being at the creek, she came home and wrote the music that is the meditation that I really invite you to practice with at some point in, in your day. just want to end by saying when our beloved little Anna did die at that moment so too did countless other beings of life all over the world everywhere and beyond in ways that we have no idea her and all of them in some form or another letting go into the current of the universe. Obviously, I can't oversee her progress any more than Licity Collins could oversee the progress of the little piece of wood on its, on its journey. I can know, however, 
that she too is being cared for as only the universe ultimately can care for any of us. And the question that is most alive for me right now is how can we make sure that we are awake with love and care for the flow of our own lives right here and right now? Thank you.